Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With us as we broadcast live from 6th and Peabody, it's the home of Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, and Outkick 360. Live daily, 2 to 5 Central, 3 to 6 Eastern, across the Outkick network. That includes the radio network, Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, uh, Florence, Alabama, Huntsville. We say hello to you and happy Thanksgiving. Also, Fox Sports, Knoxville, everyone there in East Tennessee and in the Upper Cumberland with Sports Radio 104.7. We certainly say hello to all of our friends in Cookville and Crossville. We invite you to interact with the show. You can join the chat room on YouTube. Just search out Outkick360. Do the same for Twitter. That's how you can interact with the show and send us a message throughout. Uh, we will get back with you. John McClain is back in Houston after visiting us here in Nashville last week. He came in and said, hey, it would take food poisoning for the Texans to beat the Titans. One and eight Texans, the eight and two Titans. And then he looked at Paul in the corridor of Nissan Stadium postgame and said, food poisoning. John, how are you? I'm great, guys. I also want to point out when you were talking about all those cities and towns, Sparta, Tennessee, two hours away, they listen and they watch. And that's the hometown of David Culley. David Culley, of course, grew up there, played at Vanderbilt, and uh, it was a very big game for him because it broke an eight-game losing streak. And he had family and friends at at, uh, the stadium who braved a lot of rain. At Nissan Stadium, like a lot of did, but they were, as you can imagine, a very happy family. John, every time that you come to Nashville, you've got some shout outs and some hellos. Uh, uh, the floor is yours, sir. Well, first of all, I want to say how impressed I was with the studio. I mean, it just blew me away. You know, I see you guys on here and I see the backdrop and everything, and that's impressive. But to actually be there and see it, see the whole distillery, everything about it it just blew me away i'm not exactly sure whose concept that was you guys would know but whoever it does whoever it was deserves a lot of credit because uh i went by there again saturday with my good buddy rory rowan and brooks cabina who's in his first season covering the texans with me and uh we showed it we showed i showed them where the studio was then i showed them where all the people were and Brooks goes, let me out right here. <laughs> so he jumped out, and I saw him disappear into the crowd, and I didn't see him again till when we left Sunday morning for the game. But everybody had a great time. I want to thank Jim Caden and his son, Jimmy Caden, uh, for hosting us. And uh, Rory, you guys know Rory Rowan very oh, yeah. well. Been a good friend of mine for a long time. want to thank Kim for everything he did for me as he does every time I come to town and I can't wait to come back and see you guys soon. Love, love hosting you. Love having you in town, John. That that goes without saying and, and everyone you mentioned, we echo there. Follow John on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Okay, so you're sitting there watching the Texans. They lead 12-0 at halftime. 
Uh, they get the fumble recovery. Uh, they get the score. It's 19 nothing. Then they go into scoreboard protection mode, as I've called it, from there. How stunned were you that the Texans won on the road against the Titans? Well, first of all, I didn't give the Texans a chance to win the game, and I didn't give the Texans a chance to win the game until Ryan Tannehill threw his fourth interception to cornerback Terrence Mitchell at the end because, you know, the Titans are thinking, okay, let's score, and then we'll go for an onside kick. Texans had used one of those interceptions to set up by Desmond King to set up that last field goal, but I kept thinking these are the Texans that are going to find a way to blow it when Tyrod Taylor ran for his first touchdown and uh, Monty Cooper hit him in the chest and he flipped into the end zone, that was their first touchdown on the road since September 19th at Cleveland. Now we can say they haven't thrown a touchdown pass on the road since <laughs> September 19th at Cleveland. But I thought the Texans, who the Titans have more injuries than any team I could remember, but Texans had three offensive linemen out, best pass rusher, and it didn't matter. I thought they'd get crushed. Anyway, but being able to get five turnovers for the second consecutive game, they're now plus two in turnover differential. You generally don't see bad teams on the plus side, but Lovey Smith has come in here, taking a team that forced only nine turnovers last season, and they're right now only three teams have forced more than them. And they got a chance at their all-time record, which was 34 in 2014 when Bill O'Brien and defensive coordinator Romeo Cornell. But uh, it's amazing that the Titans would lose to the Texans and the Jets and beat seven teams that went to the playoffs last year. Well, John, you mentioned those five turnovers for the Titans. Four of those turnovers were Ryan Tannehill interceptions. What did you make of uh, the poor performance from Tannehill in this game where, on the flip side, Terod Taylor didn't do much, but he didn't need to. He just didn't need to lose the game for the Texans, and that's what he did. Texans didn't turn it over, and as you guys know, that's a big deal. Their passing game was terrible. It looked like Taylor was trying to throw it in the mud several times instead of do something that was high risk, trying to force the ball to a well-covered receiver. But I just I thought you look at Tannehill. In the last three games, the Titans played against the Texans. They averaged 39.5 points a game. Derrick Henry averaged 224 yards in those three games. And I thought uh, that Tannehill at some point, even without Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, you saw him hurt his hand on that first series, the way he grabbed it, the way he was shaking it, and he was never the same after that. And then Marcus Johnson went down. Uh, I, I just was amazed that they were able to move the ball the way they did. But Desmond King being able to get two interceptions, his first ones, that was a big deal because both of them played a key role. All of their four interceptions were substantial when it came to determining the outcome of that game. And uh, I know the Titans are probably glad they're going to have the bye week late because they need to heal. So the Titans get away from the play action in that game, which is where Ryan Tannehill is generally at his best. I think they'd say they get away from it because they, they wind up in chase mode down 19 nothing. Well, they're not in chase mode if they take a couple field goals that are available to them and maintain some contact. So what did you think of Rabel's early determination to to get a touchdown rather than tack some points on the board there and stay, you know, in, in a better range? 
I think the competition had everything to do with it. Mike Brable would never say that. But the Texans' defense is is terrible. They're terrible against the run, but they play great. You know, they stuffed them on two fourth down attempts. And if if you go back, Adrian Peterson looks so much better than he had before, and that's to be expected because he'd been out so long. But the Titans had three 16-yard runs, and the Texans couldn't run a leg. Their leading rusher is Rex Burkhead. He averaged 2.2 yards a carry. Texans are last in offense, 32nd in rushing, 31st in passing. And the reason why they won that game was they didn't commit turnovers, and they and they got turnovers. And, and I'm sure Mike Rabel would love to have those back, but I didn't blame him at all when the time came because I've been watching the Texans every play, and I'm sure he'd seen that on film. Now, Derrick Henry's been in there. It's been a big difference. Uh, Desmond King was there for like since November 2nd of last year. And he said, he said something like people know Ryan Tannehill is best on play action instead of just dropping back. Now I'll guarantee you if he just dropped back and he had all of his receivers healthy, that'd have been a lot better. People don't want to hear anything about injuries because everybody's got them. But the fact is they're not excuses. They are reasons. And and Tannehill's interceptions, he played his worst game. You hope he's gotten it out of his system. But, you know, he's been a an interception machine this year, and that's the first time that's happened to him since about midway through his Dolphins career. John, what'd you think of halftime where Floyd Reese and Jeff Fisher went into the Titans' ring of honor and, and, and Fish's speech at the half? Well, first of all, I thought Sean Reese, Floyd's youngest son, uh, I thought he did a tremendous job in the video. I thought he did a tremendous job in his speech. It was great to see Sally and all the family members there know how proud they were, how excited they were. And then Jeff Fisher had his entire family there as well. Jeff always does a great job of speaking. I thought it was great when he talked about the call in the first half that it wasn't a penalty. And uh, it was great to see those guys have their name go up where it belongs in the ring of honor as the 16th and 17th. And I think it's great. Bob Phillips at the Oiler Reunion weekend and Jeff Fisher and Floyd Reese at the Texans game. I think Amy Adams-Strunk put on a hell of a show like she always does. What do you make of the Colts now in the AFC South after what they've done on the road and knowing that the Titans, as banged up as they are, are capable of losing to the worst team in the league uh, because of the injuries and because of poor execution and turnovers? And uh, going back to the Colts, Jonathan Taylor has turned it up to another level. He's the best running back in football right now. First of all, the Colts hadn't been squat before they went to Buffalo. They've been beaten nothing but losers, including the Texans. And so they go to Buffalo. I picked the Bills, I think, by 10. And I was stunned, even though Buffalo stunk it up in Jacksonville. I look up there and I see that, and I'm thinking, is that reversed? Can that really be the Colts? kicking their butt like that. And then I saw Jonathan Taylor going off again. The Texans created that monster. In the first half of the Texans game, he had like six yards on four carries. And all of a sudden, he went crazy in the second half, had an 83-yard game, and he has been on a tear ever since. He's got to be mentioned right now, even though running back's not going to win it. Derrick Henry didn't win it last year. None's going to win that MVP award. But he might win Offensive player of the year, but his name's got to be put up there with the other MVP candidates. 
And if you run the ball and control the clock the way they do, and Carson Wentz needs to throw for like 107 yards, they're happy to win that way. But he's going to take a beating, that's for sure. And his offensive line, of course, they were beat up early in the year. And I remember they didn't have all their starters when they played the Texans and won 31-3, but they got them back shortly after that, and they haven't looked back. And it looks like they will put some heat on the Titans if the Titans' injuries continue to derail them. And, John, we had this discussion yesterday. Frank Reich, uh, what do you think about the job he's done with this team? It does seem very hit or miss from a coaching performance with him from, from week to week. I know you could say that about a lot of the league, but overall, what do you think about what he's done with this Colts team? Chad Lackey's won one playoff game. And I see guys on ESPN using words like phenomenal with Frank Reich, and I'm going, no, he hadn't done a phenomenal job. Are you kidding me? They got Andrew Luck, and now they've gone through a lot of quarterbacks. He's done a really good job. But to do a phenomenal job, to me, you got to win a Super Bowl. And uh, they need to see what they can do with this team. You know, Carson Wentz, at some point, they're going to contain Jonathan Taylor, and he's going to have to throw the ball, and he's thrown it well. He doesn't. He hasn't been an interception machine like he was last year. Their defense is good. It's going to come down to them and the Titans. And I'll say this, if, if Derrick Henry hadn't gotten hurt, Titans run away with the division like I predicted before the season. John McClain with us. You can follow him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Coming up, the Cowboys have lost two of their last three games. We'll get John's take on Dallas. Should Baker Mayfield be playing right now? Because we know he's hurting. And the Eagles right now look like they're a team going to the postseason. All of that and more straight ahead on Outkick 360. Talking to NFL on Outkick with John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, TexasSportsNation.com. NFL headlines as we go into Week 12. And, John, let's start with the Chicago Bears. John, a Pulitzer Prize winner who doesn't cover the Bears seems to have a pretty good source that says Matt Nagy's coaching his last game tomorrow. Nagy, of course, uh, denies it. But uh, pretty strong report Thursday. from... Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah, Thursday. I'm a day ahead. I'm celebrating tomorrow. Yeah. The Bears have never fired a coach during the season in all their uh, decades of being in business. Now, he's going to have a hell of a scoop, or he's going to look really stupid. And uh, I don't know why you would fire Matt Nagy now. He's been playing Justin Fields. Fields has been inconsistent. Uh, he's got Andy Dalton. They may fool around and beat the Lions. Although, if the Lions are ever going to win a game, you'd think this would be it. They don't have Jared Goff either. So, uh, I, I, it's just weird. Obviously, that guy got it from a great source, and we'll see. Had you heard of Tim Boyle before all of this? Do you know that he threw one <laughs> touchdown and 13 interceptions at UConn? Uh, I had no idea who Tim Boyle was and still don't know who he is, other than he plays for the Lions. But he sounds kind of like a Lions quarterback. Don't you know Matthew Stafford is glad he doesn't have to play for the Lions anymore? I uh, I wish I didn't know Tim Boyle or ever heard of him after hearing that stat and, and hearing that. Speaking of uh, Matthew Stafford, <laughs> wives are making headlines, John, left and right. Matthew Stafford's wife throws a pretzel at a 49ers fan and has to apologize for it. And their loss. And now Emily Mayfield, wife of Baker Mayfield, 
And this first reported by your friend Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer posted on her Instagram story, quote, no one better say anything bad about Baker Mayfield after this game. I don't think I've ever seen toughness like this in a while. Maybe the rest of our team should take the hint and get tougher. And then she deleted that post. Not a great look. I'm sure that if Baker Mayfield has the respect of his teammates, he can explain that away. Uh, but either way, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing there was a conversation had that night. You know it was. And uh, they've been kind enough to put her in all those commercials yes. he does for progressive insurance. Maybe she'll lose her endorsement. Hey, she's standing by her man, and he's got a lot more to say about stiffing the media, which means you're stiffing the fans. He was mad because he got booed. And I'll say this about Mayfield. He's got a lot of injuries, but second game of the season, Texans are in Cleveland. They throw an inter- He throws the interception. Then he takes off trying to make the tackle. He gets hurt. He goes off the field clutching his left shoulder. And even though it's not his throwing shoulder and he's wearing a harness, he still has not been the same passer that he was before, and he was never a really good passer to begin with, kind of a gunslinger, very inconsistent. But right now he's playing terribly, I think, in six of their last eight games. They haven't scored more than 17 points. Interesting situation there because they're 6-5. and five. They're in last place in the AFC North. They're a game out of first place, and it's the only division where every team is above 500. So – You've got your starting quarterback who is showing a lot of toughness. Few and far between, I might add. There's no more Steve McNairs in this league. And Baker Mayfield's showing a little toughness by doing this. I love it, first and foremost. I love that his wife tweeted it. Because uh, more teams could use this type of toughness. If you're able to play, play. Uh, but, But play at what level? Is Case Keenum a better starter right now than Baker Mayfield? And should they play Case Keenum? Because, again, they're a game out of first in their division. We don't know, Jack, about the doctors and the trainers and what they're saying about him behind the scenes. I mean, he's yes, he's injured. A lot of players are injured. If he can't play close to the level where he usually plays, and he's still very inconsistent, then look at the other quarterbacks in that division. Lamar Jackson missed a game because of an illness. He's back. Big Ben was out with COVID-19. He was back on Monday night, and Joe Burrow has not missed any time. But uh, I think Mayfield, when he plays hurt, kind of inspires his team. They barely won a game. They should have won by more, but old ugly's better than old nothing. And they've had injuries at running back and in their secondary. They still might be the most talented team in that division. Biggest key is that Chubb is back. He is back. Their backfield is is back in order so uh, to me, it, Mayfield can start as long as they've got their starters in the backfield because it's going to go through the run game anyway, right? Yeah, their offensive line might be the best in the NFL. They've done a great job of putting it together. They've extended a couple of those linemen recently, and there's not many teams that run better than they do. Nobody, I don't think, has got a one-two punch like they do. But Mayfield, he doesn't have to throw the ball down the field. You know, he's never had a great arm. He plays there on the banks of Lake Erie. The wind's always blowing. What he's got to be is accurate. He's got to be a game manager. Just whatever he does, don't turn it over. Rely on Miles Garrett in the defense and then let the running game dominate. Let's stay in that division, John. The, the Ravens, 
Uh, they, they win games. They don't win pretty by any means. They lost to the Bengals and the Dolphins. They eked out a win over the Vikings. They do it again without Lamar Jackson at quarterback against Chicago. Are you buying Baltimore? I am as long as Lamar Jackson's healthy. You know, he's capable of making great comes back, comebacks, which we've seen him do this year. That Miami game was the most mysterious of the season for them to go down there and get beat a week after the Texans were beat there, worse than the Texans were defeated. So I think they are always a contender with Lamar Jackson, but they're 31st in pass defense. They don't play defense right now with the same effectiveness and dominance they have in recent years. And one reason is the defense is on the field more because they don't run the ball like they used to. And the only reason they're number one again is because of Lamar Jackson. John, you've covered the league for nearly 50 years total. Uh, have you come across a player who is as sickly as Lamar Jackson is? He's, he's, he's positive for COVID twice. He's been on the injury report for a non-COVID illness already three times in different weeks this season. Missed a game this past week due to illness. I, I mean, the, the guy's constantly sick. I would love to know what kind of illness it is. You know, he's getting the best treatment that uh, the best doctors that you can possibly get, and it must drive them crazy. You hope he's taking care of himself and he's not putting himself in bad situations. And one of the things I thought was interesting last year, the flu was way down in the U.S. Well, the reason is people were wearing masks, and now that a lot of people are not, I'm wondering if the flu is going to be back up, and we're going to be seeing more athletes missing for reasons other than COVID-19. Now, speaking of COVID-19, Amari Cooper is a great example. And if you're dumb enough or selfish enough not to get vaccinated and you play for an NFL team and he's going to miss two games, and what if the Cowboys lose both of them? I mean, the fan Michael Irvin's called him out. Jerry Jones has called him out. I just have never understood knowing you can hurt your team like Aaron Rodgers did when he missed the game they lost and how it could affect you having home field advantage. Although home field advantage is not as important anymore, I just don't understand it. Well, and he could he could still more, miss more the game players. even if he's vaccinated, John. He could still miss both of these oh, games he, based on the time. Yeah, I, under, I understand, but he can come back quicker if he passed two tests 24 if, hours right, apart. Right. And uh, I think this, I was looking today at players going on the COVID list. I look every day. It's just amazing. It's almost accepted today. There's a revolving door for COVID-19 people who test positive or, of course, They've been close contact. So the Cowboys are one of the six teams we'll see on Thursday, all six of them coming off losses. I'm curious, comparing the Cowboys at seven and three and the Bills at six and four, both really disappointing lately. Who you feel like has a better chance of riding the ship? Uh, Cowboys playing the more disappointing Raiders and the Bills playing the more disappointing Saints, you think they both get right? After what happened in Orchard Park, New York on Sunday, where the Colts just annihilated the Bills, I've got no confidence in the Bills. They're struggling to run the ball. Sometimes they run it, sometimes they don't. They put so much pressure on Josh Allen to run the ball and not just focus on the passing game. It can have dire consequences. We've seen that happen two times in the last three weeks. Cowboys. You know, they get beat at home by Denver. And right now, 
they just coming off the game and was the Chiefs defense embarrassed them. I think the Cowboys have a better chance to bounce back because I think the Chiefs right now might be the best team in the league. I think they're the best in the AFC. And I tell you something that looks weird. I never thought there's any way I would see this this season. The Patriots in first place ahead of Buffalo in the AFC East. Well, and going back to the NFC, John, here you have the Cardinals nine and two, and they pick up a big divisional win with Colt McCoy at quarterback on Sunday, prompting Pete Carroll to have this strange walkout of his press conference post game, and then come back. He didn't even seem angry, and he left, and then came back later. Uh, odd times in Seattle, great times right now in Arizona. Well, I think he was going out to apply for the USC job. That's what I heard. <laughs> That's right. And then he came back. Washington, actually, he's going to go Seahawks, to Washington's where he's going to go next. The Seahawks are in unfamiliar territory. They're not used to losing. Russell Wilson's not used to losing. And this is the worst team I can remember them having. And it's, yeah, they got injuries. Russell Wilson was out, but he's back. And uh, losing at home like that to Cole McCoy. Cardinals are two and one without Kyler Murray. They got he'll be back after the bye week. They'll make that stretch run and probably get home field advantage in the playoffs. But Seattle, you know, I wonder if Pete Carroll will be in his age. He's the oldest coach in the NFL, I believe. And with his age, does he want to undergo a rebuild? I can't imagine. John, are the Eagles about to make the playoffs? They are running the football at an extremely high level. The rest of the way, they do not board an airplane again for the rest of their schedule. Their remaining three road games are either a bus or a train ride. So what do you make of the Eagles who can travel with an offense that is built for this type of year, uh, th this time of year, uh, running it at a high level? They run out of 11 personnel more than any team in the league, which is interesting, and they do it extremely well. Maybe they'll run to those three road games. Maybe, maybe. Jalen Hurts. He just had three rushing touchdowns uh, Sunday, and they were impressive. I think they've had at least 40 in two of their last three games. That was a team that was hot to trot for Deshaun Watson. They wanted him bad. And the Texans wanted to trade him there bad because they have two number one picks. And if Carson Wentz plays 75% of the plays, they're going to have three number ones. But Watson, uh-uh, he nixed it saying he wouldn't go to Philadelphia. So – Jalen Hurts is their quarterback, and he just keeps playing better and better. So, as you guys know, some deals are the ones you don't make. But uh, I don't think they can overtake the Cowboys, but they can definitely get in the playoffs. And what a deal that would be for the Eagles because nobody that I know of predicted that. They have, they have 870 yards rushing in their last four games. I mocked Sirianni for uh, saying that he was uh, growing a plant. You know, watering it under, under the earth, and you couldn't see it. And uh, lo and behold, uh, Derek, Derek Dooley once had a line about growing bamboo. Growing. How it's difficult. He to didn't take say time. bamboo. He just said a, a plant. But lo and behold, their little <laughs> plant is growing. John Taysom Hill signs an extension, and there's big money. It's uh, big money either way, but there's bigger money depending on what position he plays. This guy's so overrated. What, what'd you make of this? Uh, I agree, Paul. He's not doing any. What's he done? Forty million over the next four years. He can make up to ninety-five million if he's listed as a quarterback. <laughs> well, you can play him at quarterback. Doesn't mean you have to list him there, right? Uh, Trevor Simeon is the starting quarterback. If he's worth that kind of money, why is he not the starting quarterback? 
you know, he's a player to other positions and he's, it's, it's, it's interesting to talk about him when they win, but they're not winning anymore. Can you imagine how much we're going to have to hear about him on Thursday? Yeah. Because there's not much very, there's not much exciting about the saints anymore since Jameis Winston went down. I wish they would put Taysom Hill out there. I'd rather see him than Trevor Simeon. It was no surprise against the, the Titans when they put him on the field here. It was like, oh, all right, we'll defend that guy. It's like it's more about during the week than it is on on Sundays, and it's this contract. Oh, look over here, we got a big contract extension going on. Never mind the game on Thursday. Well, I, I think it depends on who the quarterback is, and it's not Taysom Hill. With, with Drew Brees, Taysom Hill was excellent. Yeah, it was nice. But so the, I mean, I, that's over. You know, when he's on the field and you have Drew Brees out there, there is some you know uncertainty with where the ball's going. When it's just him and your other option is Trevor Simeon, you don't care where the ball's going because you know you're stopping them. Exactly. Uh, his, he does his ear is good, over. He, he does a good job when you know he's going to get the ball and he still gets it because they do have good blockers. But, man, oh, man, I I, I can't wait to see how many times we're going to have to hear, hear him. And I hope they go ahead and blame quite a bit because he would be more fun to watch. There's not much fun about the Saints right now. John, are you buying any of the discussion that Jonathan Taylor needs to be in the MVP conversation? Yeah, I think he deserves to be in a the conversation. There's a lot of people. It seemed like it changes every week. Remember when everybody thought it was Matthew Stafford? Is his name ever mentioned? Kyler Murray, he's missed three games now. You're not going to be MVP when you miss that. Aaron Rodgers, he's missed a game. Now he's got a bad toe. He didn't. He never gets injured unless it's major, but Maybe Aaron Rodgers will win it again. But I think Jonathan Taylor, based on just where we are right now, that the Colts have won like, what have they won? Five of six. That And they did. He played a great game with five touchdowns. But it, if, if, like I said earlier, if Derrick Henry does not win it based on what he did last year, I don't know that we'll ever see a running back win it again. The thing that's helping him right now, and I know it's frustrating Titans fans because Henry wasn't mentioned, but there's no quarterback emerging from well, the crowd you know where, right now. You know yet. where my money is? My money's on Patrick Mahomes winning the MVP this yeah. year, John. Not a bad bet. Well, they've won four in a row, but their defense has been playing so much better than everybody thought it would. And he had that great game two weeks ago, but considering they're coming up for the stretch drive and crunch time of December and January, the Chiefs got it going on at the right time. Wouldn't surprise me. If they don't get the Super Bowl for third consecutive season, but that is very, very rare. And I would have thought the Titans or the Bills would be the best team to knock them off. And right now, I don't know who's going to knock them off. The Colts, just because they can run the ball and control the clock and maybe keep Mahomes on the bench. Uh, didn't help the Titans when they had Derrick Henry to be able to do that. John, it came in a loss, but what did you make of Cam Newton's performance for the Panthers? Chad, like, I, I'm amazed at what he did. To me, what he's done the last two weeks is the most amazing thing he's done since he's MVP in 2015, and they were 15-1 and one and went to the Super Bowl. Especially, he, obviously, he would have been working out, but uh, I think to be able to come in last Thursday, or no, Thursday week before, and play, and then come back again and do it again this week in a starting role, it's pretty amazing, and uh, but they still lost. 
And I'm still guessing they're still going to be interested in Deshaun Watson uh, after uh, March 16th when they can start trading players again. John, last week, Jason Garrett had the play caller title removed from his duties with the Giants. Today, Joe Judge fires him as the offensive coordinator of the New York Giants. Freddie Kitchens is now calling plays in New York. What do you make of Garrett now and where Joe Judge is headed with the Giants? Is he next? Well, Joe Judge has been there, what, two seasons, another Patriot coach, just like Brian Flores. And Joe Judge was a special teams coordinator who got that job, and he's made a lot of changes. I'll guarantee you if they keep stinking it up, his job will be on – he'll be on a hot seat next year, and that's why they should make every effort to get to Sean Watson because Daniel Jones has not developed the way people thought he would when they drafted him high in the first round. And if Jones continues to struggle and is inconsistent, they're going to be looking for another quarterback. Right now, I think they'd have two of the top seven picks that look pretty good to the Texans. They shouldn't shouldn't let Gettleman make those picks. That's for damn sure. No. Uh, Final thing. Um, Henry Ruggs was driving how fast when he killed uh, a person? Well, he slowed down. He was 156, wasn't it? And the impact was like he slowed down to 120s. So he – yeah, something like that. I mean, it's just egregious. Um, Indefensible. He's on house arrest and then misses – a mandatory breathalyzer test, and the judge still allows him to be under house arrest instead of jailed. I do not understand this. I won't pretend to know the law here, but he's he's out on bail. He misses a mandatory test, misses it. It doesn't even show up late, misses it, and he's still allowed to stay outside of the confines of of the jail while he awaits trial. This is crazy to me. Mo Ron. Yes. And the fact that a judge would put him in that situation, Mo Ron, he could hurt somebody else. And uh, I don't understand a lot of things about our justice system, but when you use as bad a judge as he judgment as he did, he does not deserve to be under house arrest. It's something I've never seen anywhere. He was driving on city streets, 150 something miles an hour. How many red lights did he run? Cause on the city streets in Las Vegas, there are a lot of lights and stop signs. He had to have just blown through all of them. Uh, John, I lied. This is the final thing. Zach Wilson is reportedly starting for the Jets as they visit Houston this week. Should I take yes. the Jets or the Texans? Well, the Texans are on a roll. Tyrod Taylor's playing on for the first time since the first game of the season when he looked really good. So I would take the Texans. I Either way, I would take the Texans. They're on a roll. Every time they play now, they move farther away from that first overall pick in the draft. Well, that means you have to dig a little deeper on your mock drafts there, John. Uh, either way, we'll be paying attention to that. I'm sure, Absolutely. I'm sure I'm sure it'll be mock draft season by December for you. You're about a month away Damn, from that in week. Houston. Yeah, maybe you've already on you're on uh, mock draft three who, who already. Who are the Texans drafting, John? Do you already have an answer for us at this point? Uh, yeah, I said they were gonna draft <laughs> with the first overall pick, Kayvon Thibodeau. I wrote about that. And then when the Lions had their tie, then I had the Texans dropping down and taking Derek Stingley Jr., an impact cornerback. And now I'm afraid they're going to drop all the way down to number four and take Evan Neal, the offensive tackle from Alabama. It's getting to be a later and later night for you. It is. They're falling, (laughs) but I don't think they're going to fall too far. I can tell you that. John, happy Thanksgiving to you. We're thankful you're a part of this show, and we will catch up with you next week. Thanks, John.
Jonathan Ball, Chadillac, thank you guys very much. Happy Thanksgiving to you and all your listeners and viewers. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Happy Thanksgiving, John. Thank, thank you, John. you. John McClain on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Some big news in college football that affects Penn State and USC. That's next on Outkick 360. In Happy Valley, Penn State breaks their own news. Coach James Franklin inks new 10-year deal. It's an extension on his current contract. And Steve Berkowitz of USA Today and Gannett reports that it's 10 years, $85 million for James Franklin. So he's staying put. The big rumor was USC. USC wanted James Franklin. James Franklin wanted USC. And here's Penn State, and I've mentioned this over the last couple of weeks, and I mentioned this Saturday. It is Rays season. A lot of people say it is uh, coaching carousel season. It is, if you're a coach in college football at a Power Five, it is time to reach out, hand out, because the payday is coming. Coaches get paid to stay as much as they get paid to leave this time of year. I think uh, Cincinnati fans should be doing backflips right now. And I say that because mm. I feel like Luke Fickle would leave for Penn State quicker than he will USC. That's I, think if Jay, I think if James Franklin, here's the domino that I was, I was expecting. James Franklin to USC, which would then prompt Penn State to go after Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle, no-brainer for him, would go to Penn State because he is such a Midwest guy. He's 48 years old. I feel like he would love staying at a big, going to a big, big 10 program like Penn State. So I think Cincinnati fans should be excited about this. I don't know how Penn State fans feel about James Franklin. I think you should be happy that you've got that stability with him now at your program. You don't have to worry about him looking around as much every year. It seems like where they had some sort of divide about facilities and payment to staff and everything else, they've come together on that. That's good news for Penn State now moving forward. James Franklin's a good football coach. He's a dynamic recruiter. So I think all that's good for Penn State. And it just eliminates one of those names from Florida, from LSU, from USC, from Miami, for all the big jobs that are either open right now or will open up. You can now remove James Franklin from that list and go on to the next person. I I mean, I, I'm surprised. I, I think... I think James Franklin would have loved to have been loved by USC, right? But USC probably was going to look deeper than just one guy and throw a parade for him. And so there's safety in being loved where you are and staying as opposed to risking uh, being courted with four other guys at USC and not chosen and then looking like you weren't picked. So he has the details of the contract. It's a $7 million per year base salary, $500,000 bonus every year for coming back for the following year. And then he has a $1 million life insurance loan. So like the, all of this stuff piled on top of each other is going to get him around $8.5 million a year over 10 years. We know anything and, about buyout? Well, here's... Um, a buyout if he leaves this year is twelve million, eight million next year, and six million in twenty twenty three. So what UCLA twenty twenty three? Well, no, uh, it means a, another 
contract extension in 2023 for James Franklin, where he's going to make around $10 million per season to coach the Nittany Lions. That's what all this sets up for. Quickly, if I may interject, a move we've been calling for is being reported. I don't know okay. if the Titans have said it. The Titans have waived Adrian Peterson. That makes a lot of sense, especially with the Hilliard news uh, from, from earlier today. Well, he just didn't have it. No, he, he didn't. I mean, it's a, it was pretty clear. We said yesterday, uh, Chad. In the game, too, that he just wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't just running high. He just was not going to have I'm it. just sm- I'm glad that sentiment didn't factor in here. How well, could it? I don't know what sentiment know. would be Sometimes because they don't they, know the guy. Well, Personally, uh, how could they, it? You, they, you tr- Listen, I, I know the introductions are not a big deal, um, but sentiment is factoring in the way they're treating him when he's coming on the field there where they can't introduce Deontay Foreman as the starter. Now, that's not a John Robinson, Mike Vrabel decision, and they don't give a damn who's introduced, but that's the organization treating him differently than they treat everybody else. And I just fear that that's slipping in there. Hilliard's better, um, and uh, and so they make the right move there. It's being reported by multiple outlets. I, my emails from the Titans generally go slowly, so I don't know if they're okay. We'll get back yeah. into this in the next hour uh, with the Titans and, and Peterson. I want to get back into the college coaching part of this. Another big winner in this, I said Cincinnati's a big winner with James Franklin staying at Penn State. Mario Cristobal is a huge winner in this because Mario Cristobal – if, in fact, we're going with reports that are out there now from Glenn Gilbo, who we're about to talk to, and others, that it's lining up to be Dave Aranda to LSU from Baylor, coming back. He was defensive coordinator on that national championship team. If he comes back, if, in fact, it's Billy Napier, who now reportedly has met twice with Scott Strickland in Florida, going to Florida, Mario Cristobal, if and when that Miami job comes open, mm-hmm. will be their first call. USC... That should be your first call. Stay in, rob a, a, a conference rival in Oregon and hire Mario Cristobal or talk to him. Mario Cristobal, Hutton, going back to your point about it's raise season, he's either getting a new job with a raise or he's getting a big raise at Oregon. What about Florida? Florida's going to hire Billy Napier. I, I firmly believe that based on everything I'm reading. Well, I know we'll get into that with, with Gilbo. And like, I just don't... I, I, I want to talk about this with Dan. Dan Mullen won 21 games in his first two years at Florida, and he went to the SEC championship game last year. I know that it got bad this year, and there's clearly things behind the scenes that are a problem in that program that everyone around it and close to it has seen. This is a risky proposition, though, for Florida. It's risky, but look, I mean, they just fired a coach who stood at a podium two weeks ago where he had, let, let's go through their, their schedule at the time. Um, South Carolina, Samford, Missouri, Florida State. And this was after the loss to Florida in the world's well, largest outdoor cocktail party. Sorry, loss, loss to, to Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, Loss to Georgia. And on the schedule, to get to 8-4, and four, he had South Carolina, Samford, Missouri, and Florida State. And he acted like he was about to face... Alabama, Ole Miss, Auburn, and Arkansas. And his team acted like they didn't want to play for him. And that that was the problem. Yeah. I uh, mean, to clearly... Me, the, the writing was on the wall. Um, I like Dan Mullen as a coach. Um, to me, that guy went into a fetal position at the podium that day, talking about recruiting. You just... You, I mean, you go and slap around these opponents in November. It's built for you to win and get some momentum going to the offseason. And then you point at the scoreboard and you say, hey... 
We're going to hit recruiting hard. We're not where we want to be. We lost some games this season we shouldn't have. We are moving forward. We're going to hire a new defensive coordinator. We're going to get better on that side of the football. Buckle up because here we go. We're going to get the quarterback situation right, and we're going to hit recruiting hard. And instead, he treated the back end of the season like he was playing in the SEC West. It was weird. And to me, they made the right call. Mullen's a good coach, but they made the right call. He fell, but he turned into a different guy. It's the right call. We'll talk more about it, but is Billy Napier the one that's going to get people excited? Glenn Gilbo next on OutKick 360.